Well, you listened so well already, and I appreciate you all just, um, again, just just hearing out the, the many things, and appreciate, the again, the school staff and all that they do, appreciate our families here, and maybe you're not normally in church, and you came along, and, and your, your young person wanted to be with their friends today, but I'm glad you're here, glad you came um, this morning. But let's turn our Bibles to First John chapter 4, and then if you can, please pick up Ephesians as well, and... We'll look at Ephesians chapter 5 in a little while and turn to different places this morning and, and um, try not to be long this morning, but every preacher says that on Sunday morning, so um, we'll just see how we go. But um, again, you've listened so well already, and so I appreciate that. But in, in 1 John chapter 4, and, and let's, uh, let's all stand, we're going to stretch our leg, legs a little bit before we get into the message this morning, and let's just, um, let's all stand, 1 John chapter 4. And I'm going to read verses 1 to 5, and then I'll pray, and then you may be seated. Verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We want to thank you again for your word. We want to thank you, dear Lord, for the opportunity to open it and to be challenged by it. And I pray to God that you'd please bless every hearer this morning. Pray that you'd help each one, Lord, as we open your word to listen in keenly, Lord, to what you would have them to hear. And I do thank you, dear God, for the holy word of God. I'm thankful that we can still to this day have, a, have it open and have it, Lord, freely given. And so I pray that you'd help each and every one of us. I ask, dear Lord, for your enabling I pray, dear Lord, for your filling for each hearer this morning, and we pray and ask these things in Christ's most precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for honoring the Word of God this day. And again, if you're a guest of our church, thanks for coming and being part of this, um, this special Sunday. And uh, glad that also we're going to have lunch in a little while. That gives me a little bit of motivation to just be a little bit shorter this morning. But um, I believe that there's been a lot of food prepared out there, and we want to enjoy that together today. But, um, you know, one of the things that often when you're, you're coming into that time where you have to, to choose a certain school for your, for your young people, one of the things that you, you really start to think about is, is what, kind of, what kind of school it is. You know, you consider its values, you consider its, its, its offering, and, and all of that really summarizes what, what, what we want for our young person and that's, that's a place that will be a good influence on that, on that young person. And you know, we live in a world where that word influence is, is sort of thrown about a little bit. We understand that we live in the social media age and there's a lot of those that would make even a little bit of money and a little bit of notoriety because they are influencers. And you know, probably even 10 years ago, um, no one would ever really have thought that to be a serious job, but there's actual young people and actual people today 
that if you, they were to write down what they do for a living, that would be what they do. They were influencers. They, they want to be the type of people that could direct and, and sort of give you a sense of what's important and a sense of what they're about so that they could persuade you to go a little bit their way. And we're living in a world full of different influences. And I know for us as a family, when we started to consider when our, our, our eldest was starting to come into, the school, into that school age, we started to seriously think about and seriously pray about where we would send our kids. And we thought about all of the different things that the, each school offered. We went to every tour that we could and we considered that and we found it to be an important thing. Why? Because we were mindful that wherever they go in that sense, there will be an influence there in their lives. And probably similarly in a church sort of situation, we want to consider what kind of influences uh, we, we can have from a spiritual point of view. And yet what the Bible's telling us here is that there, there's actually different spirits in the world that can, can, can bring about influence in our lives. You know, when we speak about influence in the Christian life, we speaking about influence like, like it is generally. We're talking about those things that are external to, in our environment that, that, that plant some things in our heads, in our minds, in our hearts that cause us to think certain ways and feel certain ways. But you know, the, the beauty about all of that is that as we read here in Scripture this morning, there is one that ought to be the greatest influence in our lives. In fact, the Bible tells us in, in, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, that ye are of God, little children. So he's referring to those that are God's children. They're the great picture in the book of 1 John, as, as the apostle John wrote this to the broader church, was that, that they were little children. This was really uh, uh, his address to the, 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 the church family and, and, and how God looks at all of us and he considers us his little children. If there was a time where you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then he sees you as his little children. And, and John writes in that vein. And he's warning here in chapter 4 of the fact that there are those influences in the world, those spiritual influences, those things that are, un, are in the unseen that make so much difference and so, it can cause so much havoc in the, his little children's lives. And you know, he's warning us here, but he's also reminding us that we ought to have a greater influence because the Bible says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, there's a lot of different influences that we've got to protect ourselves from and our children from. We don't want them to find wrong influences in their friendships. You, you, you don't want them to find a different influences that will lead them down a path that will cause destruction and cause some heartache in their lives. And we do the best we can in, to, to protect and to help them. But you know, so many times, so many times we can go about and there's just the natural pulling away at times and the natural influences that can come. And the thing that will actually ground us is by deciding who is the greatest influence in our lives. Who is it? You know, many of us here, if we were to ask that, and, and really if we spoke honestly, there will be those that we would deem our, our, our influences. There were those that we would look up to, and in some way we modeled ourselves after them, whether, whether uh, intentionally or unintentionally. 
You know, if you were to get a handwritten note from me, what you're going to find out is that my handwriting is just chicken scratch, all right? Unfortunately, I just don't have good handwriting. And if you got a, a handwritten card from me, one, that's very rare. But secondly, you're going to need an interpreter, and that's usually just me, all right? I'm the only one that can read my handwriting. In fact, when I prepare sermons, I can't even handwrite because sometimes I can't even read my own writing. <laughs> but you know, I, I feel like I have someone to blame. It was, it was my best friend in high school. All right, I sat with him through the whole high school. His name's Ryan. If he's listening, he, I, I blame you. But, but he had atrocious handwriting. And, and for a little while there, just as a jest, just as a joke, I would copy his handwriting. And I would just, you know, I would copy it and I would write things to him, little funny notes and, and all of that. And by, by the end of high school, my handwriting looked exactly like his. In fact, it got so bad that my parents blamed my handwriting for my lack of achievement in year 12. All right? That, that's how much my parents believed in me. It wasn't your fault. It was your handwriting's fault. All right? We know you're a smart boy, but it's your handwriting. No one can read it. And I would blame, I blame Ryan. I blamed him that, that, you know, by osmosis almost, I just learned how to write like he wrote. And you know, there's some, some, some things in our lives that unintentionally, if we're not guarding ourselves, we allow into our lives because we're not grounded in who ought to be our greatest influence. We don't prioritize and we sort of go lackadaisically into life and a little bit casual like, you know, we're, we're just bobbing around as if nothing will blow us off course. But the reality is there's many things. In fact, the Bible tells us here in verse 1, he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit. He says, try the spirits. And not, that's not the, the word try there doesn't mean to, to try it out. That means prove it. That means... Th- Observe it, understand it, and, and, and take, take, get some discernment about you and understand what that's about. He say, there are many spirits, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Saying there's some things that are not of God. Just because it comes your way and just because it comes in front of you and just because it seems to be okay, it doesn't mean that you, you just go ahead and just do that and be influenced by it. saying, Try the spirits, whether they be of God. And he warns because many false prophets are gone out into the world. There are many of those who falsely will, will claim truth and falsely will say that, that they are of this and of that and we better prove it. We better try because there's many false prophets. And then he says how we ought to do that. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. He says, here's how you know whether it's good. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the fleshes of God. They, if, if they believe, and if there's a declaration that Jesus Christ is God, that is of God. We understand scripturally that Jesus wasn't just a man. No, He came as the Son of God. He came 100% man and 100% God. And He came on this earth to be among us, to dwell as the light, and to show us the way, the truth, and the life, and to show us a way to the Father, and it's by Him. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's saying, if there's a spirit that confesses that, then it's a right spirit. And he says on in verse 3, And every spirit that confesseth not 
that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. You know, there's a lot of those that even under the banner of Christendom will deny the, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, will deny the reality that he was 100% God and 100% man. And there will be those who will rationalize and logicalize and, and try to reason out that, that it can't be, that how is that? It's an impossibility that we can't understand, but we're dealing with Christ. We're dealing with the Son of God. And he's saying, try the spirits. And if you hear that, he's saying, run away. He's saying, don't allow that to be an influence in our lives. And yet, more and more today, there's a greater ease and a greater avenue for different influences in this way to come into our lives. Why there's podcasts. Why there's, there's all different media that you could quickly uh, download and quickly look at. And, and we better be guarded as we think about our young people, uh, about the, those ones that they're listening to that might, might cause them to err in the faith and might cause them to f- find themselves a little bit destabilized and doubting about those very things that we're trying to implant and invest in their lives. And we better be careful. Because God desires for each and every one of us to have the right influence, to have a greater influence. In fact, the Bible tells us that that in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 to 24, in the very God of peace, he says, sanctify you wholly. He's saying he wants to to set you apart. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, And he says, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. You know, his desire is that each and every one of us, if we're Christians here this morning, would be established in the faith. And he's saying, I'm going to sanctify you wholly. And I'm not going to leave any part of you. He's saying, I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body, that's the wholeness of man, be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. His desire for each and every one of us is, is to fulfill that very thing that He's called us to be. And, and you know what? Over the top of that, He doesn't just call us to it. He enables us for it. He's saying, faithful is He that calleth you who also will do it. You know, I, I believe God wants to do a greater work in you. You know, some of the things that we're talking about here this morning, it's not just the buildings, but, but it's about growing. It's about fulfilling. It's about seeing God do a work. It's about understanding that our lives, this is one life. It will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And and many times we can be influenced by the the ambitions and the spirits in the world. And we can go about and start to go the direction of the world. And if we're not careful, we're going to look back in our lives and wonder what it was all about. And wonder if we had actually come to that place where God's desire for us is that we would be preserved blameless. And we see through this passage here that, that, that God means for us here this morning that He would be greater. That He would be greater in us. He says in Ephesians chapter 5, if you quickly turn there. Ephesians chapter 5. And notice verses, uh, verses 18 to 24. He says, Be not drunk with wine, in verse 18 and wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Say, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And he goes on and he talks about the, 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 the marital roles there of wives and husbands. But he predicates all of that by saying, be filled with the Spirit. He, he's saying that you're going to go into these, these very important relationships. He's saying you're going to go on into life in the important areas of life. And the only way you're going to do that is to be under the influence. And he says, be not drunk with wine. We understand the dangers, right, of alcohol. We understand that, that there, there's rules and there's governing laws that doesn't permit someone after a certain level that they can't drive. Why? Because we understand that those under the influence of that aren't all there. They don't have the ability to reason. They don't have, and they're under the influence for a negative sense. But he's saying, just as those who chose, choose that, you've got, to be cho- uh, you've got to choose to be under the influence of of the Holy Spirit in your life. You know, there's the, the three that bear record in heaven. That's the, the Word, the Father, the Word, the Holy Spirit. And we understand that those three are one and they are God. And He's saying God in you needs to be the greatest influence if you're going to make a fist of this life. If you're going to go on and be successful and be uh, have, have that, 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 that success in life and and understand the significance of life. And the fact of the matter is, we've got to understand this morning that as, as Christians, we are nothing without the Spirit of God living in us. That, that, that's got to be the grounding and the greatest influence in our lives. And so with that context in mind, I want you to just observe that one verse that we read in, in that passage that we read this morning in verse 4. That's going to be our main text. And we're going to just focus on that in, in verse 4. And talk about that thought, greater is He. And I hope that this morning that you would just settle perhaps and make a decision that the greatest influence that you need in your life is not external, it's actually internal. It's actually that you have to give Him the seat in your heart that Jesus needs to be the greatest influence in your life. There needs to be some students here this morning who are after hearing perhaps some different things are coming into this school and into this place and maybe you've been exposed to the scriptures and maybe you've been exposed to the fact that, that, that there's a need for you to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, that maybe today you would decide that, that He is indeed what you need and who you need and that He is indeed the, the one that needs to take that seat of influence and that seat of decision-making in your life. And He's saying, greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. And I want you to note, firstly, that if that's going to happen, it's going to need to firstly be an inner persuasion. He says, greater is he that is in you. You know, when, whenever you, you study through the word of God, there's certain phrases that indicate something. And that phrase, in you, that phrase, in Christ, all of that refers to, firstly, just having him in your heart. And, and what, what that's saying is that, that, that there's an assumption. He's saying to the, my little children, your little children, you are born into the family of God. There's an assumption that the ones he's speaking to, why he can be greater in their lives is those who've trusted Christ as their Savior. You see, in 2 Timothy 1.12, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded 
that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And it's predicated by that thought, for I know whom I have believed. Do you know that Jesus is in you? Do you know that, 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 that he lives in you? The Bible tells us that at that point where you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, at that point when you've understood your need as a sinner, the Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible tells us that if we offend the law in one point, and how do we summarize the law, the Ten Commandments, if you've broken the law at one point, the Bible says you're guilty of all. That's a reality, that's a sinful reality that each and every one of us was born into. And yet the Bible tells us that we can know, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, there's a penalty for it. But, and there's a, there's a, great, there's a great turning point there, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible tells us that if we believe in our hearts and we can confess in our mouth the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved. And some of you just need to decide this morning whether Christ is in you to begin with. He can't be greater if he's not there. Some of, some of us maybe has had a background, maybe not. But, but I'll tell you what, it's as simple as this. You know, as a seven-year-old boy, I understood that I was a sinner. I understood I was naughty. I understood I didn't always obey my mom and dad. I understood that there were, there were times where I told a lie. And you know what, there were, I knew, I knew that I was going to hell as a seven-year-old boy. I knew that the, my, the wages, the payment of my sin was an eternal separation from God. And that put a great fear in my heart. I'm thankful that I had a grandmother who loved God, who was a great influence in my life. And she sat me down as a seven-year-old boy and she told me, Honey, that was my nickname, by the way. Because, Honey, Jesus loves you. And Jesus died for you. And if you would believe that Jesus can save you and you call out to him, he will save you. And as a seven-year-old boy by faith, I understood that none of it, none of my goodness, none of my badness could stop me. I just needed to trust Christ as my Savior. And I'll tell you what, there's a great promise that, that if, if you will believe and you'll come to repentance, you will be saved. And this morning, you've got to start with, is it an inner persuasion? You know what that will, will then facilitate in your life is that inner persuasion will lead you to then a life of, 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 that is different. The Bible tells us once you're saved that you're a new creature. All, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And, and those things that were previously you, including your sin, including the fact that you're a sinner, all of that is made new. He's, he's washed it. He's put you to, uh, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And now you're a new person in Christ. He's given you a new name in heaven and that's got to be an inner persuasion in you. And he's speaking there, secondly, of that process of not only uh, of salvation, that decision of salvation, but then Christ in you now starts to begin to clean you up. It's that process of sanctification is what the Bible calls it. You know, we read a little bit about that earlier, but in another place in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He says in Galatians 4.19, uh, my little children, again, he says, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. And what he wants to form is a new person in you. And, and what he wants to, to form is a, a process of cleaning out those things 
that aren't right and aren't good, and he wants to replace it with right things. You know, when you move into a home, and we had recently the privilege of, uh, of purchasing a home, and you know, you go in there and you start to look and you start to clean up, don't you? Right? You don't expect that there'll be the, all, all, all the old furniture in there. There might be some, but usually you don't keep them. Usually, if you could, you'll sell them, right? Facebook Marketplace, anyone? Right? Or you just chuck it. Why? You're, it's, it, you're no, no longer, the previous owners are no longer the owners. You're the owner now. And what Jesus does is because he, he paid the price for you and I, then, then he's, he's come into your life and now he occupies your heart. And now he, he starts to look at those things that are, don't belong there, that aren't pleasing to him. And he starts to convict you about that. It, starts to, it used to be that you used to enjoy uh, you know, a certain show or a certain thing in your life. And, and then God starts to work in your heart about that. Why? Because now he's the occupier, he's the owner. He's now come into your life and now he's cleaning you out. And that's God working in you. But it's got to start with an inner persuasion. But you see, what happens is there's a conflict between who used to live there and who does live there now. There's a conflict. You know, every Christian, even the, the best Christians, even the Apostle Paul described that. And, you know, there's still a conflict today in your heart about choosing to have his influence or choosing to have the other influence. You know, there's, there's still the struggle today. You ever had to pick out furniture, you husbands and wives, and you know, you had a certain style, you had a certain idea of what home needs to be, and she had a different idea, and you're thinking, well, I'm going to pay for it, right? I should make the choice, but you know how that goes, she always wins, right? And sometimes we go through that with the Lord, and, and you know what I'm saying is this, the Lord ought always to win in that scenario. That inner persuasion leads you to a time of, of growing, a time of, and he's saying greater. And you know what greater is? Greater is really a description of Christ. Greater is he. But it also speaks of potential. He could be greater. He could be greater still. He is the greatest, but you have to choose. And and there needs to be in your life, then secondly, if he, he's going to be the greatest influence in your life, there needs to be an increasing person. Jesus needs to increase in your life. He needs to have greater influences. And, you know, the greatest man born among women, the Bible says, John the Baptist in John 3.30, declared this. He says, he must increase, but I must decrease. And there's many who, in, in, in all reality, they're allowing other things to increase in their lives. They're allowing many other influences to come and, and take, take residence and take portions and take emotions and take affections. And suddenly they're going about and, and it is, they're unrecognizable to, a, to the naked eye, whether they're, they're different or not, whether they're Christian or not. Why? Because they've allowed other things and perhaps even other spirits to be the influence that leads them somewhere. But you know, the trick to that and the secret to that is not only that you have that inner persuasion, but you need to have an increasing person. 
Hey, listen, you need more of Christ than less of everything else. And you need to get into the, the Word of God and know the mind of Christ. You, you need to get around the, the people of God and, and, and let them and let others uh, sharpen you in the things of the Lord. And it's an increasing Christ and a decreasing self that is the key. You've got to allow Him to be the greater one and you've got to allow Him to cast down imaginations and you've got to allow Him to produce the fruitfulness that you need in your life as you abide in Him. And it's an increasing Christ and a decreasing self that is the key. And we read that verse earlier in Galatians 4.19 that, that the, the, the whole purpose at times of our gathering together and that whole desire of those that God has given some spiritual leadership in your life ought to be this, that they labor and they travail and they go about and they, they study and they discern and then they, they declare and then they teach. Why? So that Christ can be formed in you. Listen, I'm not interested in our young people being exactly like me. I'm not interested in them going about and, and, and maybe even uh, fulfilling their, 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 uh, their career ambitions. Uh, I'm glad for that and that's part of it. But I, I'm more glad when I start to observe and I start to see even in my own children and even in those that are part of our congregation that as I look and as I see, they have the character of Christ in them. And it just seems to be the longer that they're in it and the longer that they seem to go about getting into the Word of God and, and, and being around other Christians, that they're becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. That in their nature and their desire and their ambition, that they're like Him. Until Christ be formed in you. You know, there's times where we want to project other things and you know, the, 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 the requirement, if you want to be an influence yourself, is that if we would follow Christ, then, you, then follow, others can follow you. And there ought to be that desire in our lives. And that's the benchmark in which we ought to measure ourselves. There's an increasing person, but then also there's an important parallel. Because there is a choice. He says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in that world. That word, than is a comparative word. It's this or that. It's more this over that. And it's, there's an important parallel there. There's a choice of one above the other. And this, this morning, you're either going to allow the forces of this world to be greater or decide that Jesus is greater. Hey, listen, right from the beginning, we, we've, had a, we, we've had an enemy in the devil who's subtle, who's trying to present something that seems to be the better case. You remember Eve comes to that tree of knowledge of good and evil? And suddenly the serpent, who was, was, was really this, the, the devil, Satan himself, begins to whisper things, begins to say, look at the fruit, how good it is. Did he really say that? And you know what, what happens is, is the devil is very subtle. Have, have you noticed that the, the world looks really attractive? Have you, have you noticed that it's never really packaged the way the, way the movies depict the, the evil spirits? They're, they're never really with, with horns and a pitchfork. They're very subtle. It, it, the, the, the devil's wanting to give you an alternative that looks very attractive. But it's going to come down to a decision that you make. 
you're either going to believe God in all of his promises or you're going to believe in the attractiveness and the, the seeming goodness and the seeming success that this world so promises, but it's empty. You know, Jesus himself went through a temptation. Remember right from the outset, as he was about to begin his ministry, he was fasting 40 days. And he was in the wilderness and the devil comes and, you know, the devil who's the little G God of this world starts to present things to God himself, the Lord Jesus. He says, if you worship me, I'll give you all of these. I'll give you the kingdom. I'll give you all of these. And you know what? The, the devil is very good at making promises that are actually empty. The, the, the devil is very good at packaging something that looks very good, but when you open it up, it's a rotten apple. And we better be very careful to allow, allow the, 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 the Lord Jesus and to be the greatest influence in our lives. And here's how you do that. You've got to prioritize your inner life. You know, there's so much of life that is external, but the Bible tells us that it's actually the inner life. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, 16, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. You know how you have an increasing Christ in your life? It is just by focusing on those things that you can renew, the spirit of your mind, renewing the new man, getting in the word of God, allowing God's word to filter through us. And there needs to be that prioritizing of your inner life, those inner disciplines of, of prayer, those inner disciplines of, of, of meditating upon God's Word. And then secondly, we need to minimize the outside noise. You know, the, the world's very noisy. You, you ever go down, you, especially in, in different places around the world, you go down to a market and everyone's trying to get your attention. Everyone's trying to get you to buy something and buy a product, and buy something in the market, and, and, and you sometimes have to just go in there and just be singular in mind. But you know, the world is very noisy. You're trying to get your attention about this and that, and you know, that, that's the devil. That's the little G God of this world. He talks up a big, big game, but I want to remind you that this morning and, and forever, he's a defeated foe. That actually all that he offers is empty and, it's, it, and you know, we, we can't take the time. We can take the time. We, another time maybe some of you young people need to sit with some of these older saints, older Christians who've gone through some things where they've chosen the wrong things and, and they've seen it. They've seen it was empty. They've seen it was vain. They've seen nothing satisfies. They had to come back. And they had to get back to just having an increasing Christ in their lives. You know, the, we, we need to resist and and, and resist the urge. And the Bible says, greater is he that is in you. Is he greater? Is he someone, is, is Christ the one that is the greatest in your life? Is he greater? You know, we need to keep the right perspective. And what happens then is that, that we choose. You know, there is a choice. There's an intentional preference. The fact is, it's laid out for us. The choice is up to you. It's whoever you're going to listen to the most. And I want to tell you that, that as I, I've lived this life, that the, everything good that has come about in my life was because Christ has been greater. You know, there's, there's some people and, who know me well, and I, I don't feel like I've achieved really much, but I get to do what I do. 
I get to be in different places. I get to be with, with you and I get to minister in different ways. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, sometimes I just go, how? And I have friends who they, you know, you get, by the way, get friends who aren't impressed by you. Right? They'll tell you the truth. And they, they just tell me, they're like, I don't know how God uses you. They're like, you know, we just marvel sometimes. And, and I, I don't know how you, and, they, and they'll just be honest with me. And I'm okay with that. Because it's the truth. It's just, the truth is, I won't marvel myself. How? But you know, I'll tell you this, it's, it's the, the, really, there's no other secret. It's just Jesus. <laughs> Jesus did that. Jesus led me this way. And, and I've been, I've, I've owed my life to a greater voice and a greater one. And his name is Jesus Christ. And I hope that he would be greater in your life. I hope that you would decide today that he would be the greatest voice, the greatest influence, and the greater him in your life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to open your word this morning. And Father, I know, dear God, that there's many here who, all of us, we're all at different, different times in our lives, different seasons. And yet, Father, I know this, that what, whatever season and whatever's ahead of us, we need more of you. And I pray that, Lord, we would decide that this morning, that, Lord, we would open up the rooms of our hearts. We say, Lord, come in. Lord, Lord, take residence. Lord, be the one that Lord shows me and leads me and be the greatest voice in my life. And I pray that you would just help each one, Lord, just make that decision this morning. There's some here this morning, Lord, I just have no doubt that just need you as their savior and, and ha- needs that inner persuasion that they know whom they believe. And I pray, dear Lord, that today would be the day that they would trust you as their savior, that they would, they would not consider their good works, that they would consider their lost state and then come to you and ask you for the forgiveness that they need and the, the saving that they need. And I pray, dear Lord, that that would be the case. We're going to have a custom that we have here is a time of invitation. The piano is going to begin to play, but every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to have a time where we're just going to take a, a time to respond to the word of God. And what we have here at the front This is what we call the altar. And we come to the altar when God's spoken to us and and we want to just acknowledge that God has spoken and we come and we pray and we we give ourselves over and we make those decisions. So as the piano plays, I want to ask you, if, if God spoke to you this morning, and I don't know where you're at, I don't know your name, I don't know the exact situation that you're facing, but I just know this, we need God. And we need more of him. And so I want to ask you, if that's you this morning, why don't you come and why don't you just pray? Why don't you seek God this morning and ask him to come into your life, ask him to come into your life in a greater way and and help you as you look ahead and you look to those things that are ahead of you and look to those needs that you have and and allow him to work in your heart. And so as, as the piano plays, why don't we do that? I welcome you maybe in your seat to pray. And I want to say to those of you who don't know Jesus is your Savior, please don't leave this place without knowing. 
And so as a piano plays, why don't you do that? As God leads you, why don't you just let God speak to you? And then in a little while, we're going to sing, and then we're going to have some announcements, and we'll head out to eat. But let's take our time this morning, and let's let God work in our hearts.